Praise God, everybody. Another beautiful day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. I'm coming to you tonight with another video. Um, this little series I'm doing here for, called From the Trees. And um, as you can see the title tonight, it's in the midst of the garden. And uh, it's what, I'm, what the title is for tonight's video. Um, basing it off the scripture starting in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to begin with verse 9. But, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different trees in the Bible that is spoken of and everything, and and uh, different things about them and all. But the two of the main ones begin here in the book of Genesis, and uh, starting in the garden, when God created all the trees in the garden and everything, and He put two trees in the midst of the garden, in the middle of the garden. Verse 9 says, Genesis chapter 2 verse 9 says, And out of the ground made the, Lord grow, made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's pray before I get started. Lord Jesus, I thank you God for another opportunity, Lord, to get on here, and to get on Facebook here and do the... the do a video, Lord Jesus, and God, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity again, Lord, to share your word, Lord Jesus, that you placed upon my heart, God, and Lord, I ask you, Jesus, to use me as your vessel tonight, Lord, speak through me, God, let my words be your words, Lord, so to go forth, Lord God, and produce for you, Lord Jesus, and God, I thank you for it, and I praise you for it, Lord God, Lord, I can't do this without you, Lord, and I ask you, Jesus, to, to anoint me, Lord, to be able to... to Bring this word forth, Lord God, and I thank you for it, Lord. Let it touch each and every person that watches this from this day forward, Lord God, and let it bless the hearts of others, Lord Jesus, and help somebody, God, to to find you, Lord, and I thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name I pray, Lord. Amen. It says, And out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. See, every tree that was that he made to grow in the garden was pleasant to the sight and it was good to look upon and it was pleasing to to the eye from what the Bible says here and it was also used for to be able to you know for them to eat eat of every tree of the garden to nourish their bodies and everything that God made that God had made for them but he made these trees to for them to eat and, and for them to to uh, you know to to help their bodies and to uh, nourish their bodies, help them to grow and all these different things. And that's what the trees were made for. And it, was, it wasn't initially designed for man to eat meat. It wasn't initially designed for, in the beginning, for men to eat, you know, the cattle or or deer or anything like that. It was meant for them to eat the trees and, uh, and stuff, the fruit from the trees to, that grew in the garden, that God planted in the garden. And... But there was two trees there that was in the center of the garden, in the midst of the garden. And one of them was the, the tree of life, which says the tree of life also in the midst of the garden. Meaning it was in the middle of the garden. The tree, this tree was, the fruit of this tree would enable them to live and enable them to, to live forever basically because it healed their body. All the sicknesses in their body, whatever the case may be. And I don't know if it just took one time for them to be, you know, to be able to live forever, or if it's something they had to eat 
like um, every so often when they would get sick, or I don't know exactly, the Bible doesn't exactly explain, you know, how often they had to eat of this tree, of the tree of, of life, but it was definitely from what the Bible tells us, it was a tree that, that would heal the body and would heal, um, you know, make a bed where they could live forever. But the other tree that was spoken of here was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And there's a lot of speculation on what this tree actually was. Some people say it was an apple. Some people say it was um, tomato or whatever the case may be. They say, you know, um, whatever they wanted to come up with in their mind that this fruit was on this tree. But the Bible doesn't specify what kind of fruit it was. But what it does say is that you can't eat of it. And I'm fixing to get into that here shortly. But, but this tree was a tree, the, the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, it's a knowledge that when they ate of this tree, it gave them the knowledge of good and evil. So it enabled them to know what good and evil was, basically is what that means. Because when you get the knowledge of something, then you know how that, you know, you know about that object or know about whatever it might be. Um, it's like if you're going to training school to learn about computers, then you're gaining knowledge of computers. So you know how the computer works, you know how it's put together. You know all the different parts of this computer, and you basically learn your way around it. So, considering that the, the fruit of this tree gave you the knowledge of good and evil, then that, would, that tells me that if you ate of this tree, then you gain that knowledge to where you'll know what good and evil is. You'll know the difference between the two. You'll know what's wrong, and you'll know what's right. You know what, what is bad, you know what is good. You know what is evil, you know what is, what is good, or what is righteous, or whatever the case you know, considering those two, good and evil. So, if you read over, look over, just uh, probably on the same page or on the next page over, depending on how your Bible is designed or how big your Bible is, that in verses 16 and 17 of the same chapter, it says, And the Lord, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, in other words, He told him, He gave him a commandment. Now, this was the first commandment that was given to man in the Bible, and it was the only commandment at this time that was given to them. It says, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely. In other words, any tree in the garden, you can eat all you want of it. You can eat it just, you know, however much you want. You're more than welcome to do so. But, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. In other words, he gave them a commandment. The tree of knowledge of good and evil that's in the midst of the garden, you can't eat of that tree. You're forbidden to. I command you not to eat of that tree. It says, For in the day that thou eatest thereof, Thou shalt surely die. In other words, that tree, you eat of that tree, you're going to die. But he wasn't talking about a physical death here when he said, if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. He was talking about a spiritual death. So basically he was telling them, that's the commandment I give you, is that you cannot eat of that particular tree. And not only that tree, no other tree but that tree. But it says, you know, if you eat of that tree that day that you eat of it, you're going to die. So... Now, considering that he said that, <clears throat> man, okay, is has the ability to choose what he wants to do. He's given the ability and the choice of life, the choice in life of what he wants to do. He's not, he's not limited, you know, of our decisions. We're just told what we can do and what we can't do. But man is given the opportunity here in the beginning to choose whether basically what he wants to do is you know god told him you don't eat of that tree 
But he had the ability to do so. He didn't. He didn't make it where he couldn't eat of it. He didn't put a fence around the tree or a perimeter around the tree. But he told him not to eat of it, still giving him the ability to choose whether he wanted to eat of this tree or not. So, in thinking about that, look over in Proverbs chapter fourteen. Proverbs chapter 14, and I'm going to read verse 12. It says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Meaning there's a way that seems right to us. There's a way that that to man, to the flesh part of him, and to the carnal mind and everything seems right to him. It's a way that, that man looks at the situation, or look at the cir- looks at the circumstance, and to him it seems right. So, if we follow the flesh and don't follow the Spirit, don't follow after God, or don't allow God to lead us and guide us and direct us or whatever, and we just look at it from a carnal point of view, or the carnal stand, you know, just from the way the flesh wants to look at it, then we're going to look at it in our own way instead of God's way. So that way to us, if we, if we don't allow God to lead God and direct us, if we don't allow Him to show us the way, then we're going to look at it as being, okay, well, this, you know, this is the way I think it should be done. So in considering that, then that means that we look at it as being that, well, that's the right way to do it. So like it says here in Proverbs, it says, there is a way which seemeth right. In other words, this way seems right unto, unto man, seems right unto me. Now, in taking that into consideration that man has the ability to look at it as what he thinks is right, instead of what God says is right, all right? and instead of allowing God to lead us and allowing God to direct us, and allowing God to show us, what is right and what is wrong. Then we can get into a situation because here's here's over in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says, A man's heart deviseth his ways, but the Lord directs his path. In other words, a man's heart deviseth the way. In other words, devising it or coming up with a scheme to to go about his way or devising it, you know, making a decision of the flesh or whatever the heart desires, okay, the heart desires after things, and depending on what you're, um, whether you're living for God or whether you're living for for yourself, your heart's going to desire after those things. Whatever your heart desires after, you know, if it's desiring after God, then it's going to look for God and it's going to try to find God. But, but if it's desiring of things that sub the flesh or things that the flesh wants to go after and wants to get, then it's devising something that's not right. Instead, it's devising something that the flesh desires or that the flesh wants. And see, there's a thing that took place in the garden, which I'm going to get to here in a minute, that caused man to be able to to desire things that are evil and desire things that are bad. Because in the beginning, it wasn't designed. Man wasn't designed in the beginning to be evil. Man was designed to be, was created and formed, and formed to be a companion to God. In other words, where God would come down and commune with Adam, He would come down and, and speak with him and talk with him and walk with him and, and do whatever. Brought all the animals to him for him to name them and, and all different things that He'd done with Adam in the garden. You see, He had a companionship with Adam. But then when Adam done what he wasn't supposed to, disobeyed God, it caused sin to come into his life and caused him to be separated from God. So now, that's what started things in the garden. What started things to where, we, where we're at now is because of what took place. See, every man is born into sin. So if you're born into sin, meaning when you're when you're born into this life and into this world, you are living in a body that is sinful by nature. 
So being as it's sinful by nature, there has to be a redemption that takes place. And that redemption comes from Jesus Christ. From God manifested in the flesh, died or come and walked amongst men on the earth and died on the cross for our sins so that we could be redeemed back to Him. That redemption process. That redeems us back to God. That sin, until, we're, until we allow Him to redeem us on an individual basis, that sin separates us from God. And that's what took place here in the garden. But you see, where it says here, man, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Meaning your heart could be wanting to do one thing, but if you're allowing God to lead you and allowing God to direct you, then God Himself is directing your path because you're allowing Him to do so instead of following after the desires of your heart. So now if you allow God to lead God and direct your steps, then you're, you're allowing Him to dwell inside of you and allowing Him to, to help you choose your way or direct your path. So your desires of your heart It'd be after God instead of after the flesh. But if you look back over to, Gen- to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8, it says here in verse 8, it says, uh, Proverbs 14, it says, the, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. See, a prudent man is somebody that's searching after God, somebody that's seeking God. He's trying to live upright before God. He's trying to live righteous a righteous life. So he's following after God. So, the wisdom of that prudent man comes from God. Your wisdom comes from God. So, the wisdom from God in a prudent man's life is to understand his way. So, you're trying to understand your purpose in this life. You're trying to understand the direction of your path and your way. And a lot of this needed to take place in the garden, which I'm going to show here in a few minutes. But, instead, man chooses to go after things of the flesh he chooses to go after his own things his own desires instead of following after god it's the normal nature of man to desire things of the flesh or desire things of the world so we have to constantly put that that fleshly desire under subjection and keep our desires after god or seeking things that are of god and trying to find ways that god's happy with in our lives and trying to find where he wants us to go what he wants us to do and the things that he's happy with and pleased with so if you turn back over to Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 here, says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. First of all, man has uh, kind of come up with a deal that the snake hung out of a tree and spoke to, to Eve or whatever, but um, we don't know exactly whether the serpent hung out of a tree or whether the serpent walked up to Eve because the Bible does say that he was cursed from that day forth to crawl upon his belly. So that tells me it's, more, it's possible that the serpent actually actually stood upright or walked on, on feet, walked on, on legs and didn't crawl on his belly until after this took place. But being subtle, he was very sneaky and his way of speech is very, very, um, it could slip you know, thoughts in your head and cause you to think things or whatever. But it was very, he was very sneaky with the way, with his words and very tricky with his words and very subtle, meaning he could, he could get you to believe something that ain't true. And the way he would word his words and stuff. It says, as more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, see the serpent said unto the woman, 
Yea, hath God said that ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Meaning he was asking her, did God really say that you couldn't eat of any of the trees? That you, you, you know, all the trees you was, you know, that there was actually some trees that you couldn't eat of? Or, or what? What did he study here? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, meaning in the middle or the center of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. See, Eve added something here, don't even touch the tree, that we ain't even allowed to touch the tree. And that could have been because Adam told her that God said, don't eat of that tree or we die, and I suggest not even to touch it. You know, I'm not even to get around it, because Adam had, had his, you know, because God had told him that, he didn't even want to get close to the tree. He wanted to stay as far, you know, stay away from the tree, not even touch it. So, and considering that, and he told her that, then she told the serpent that God, you know, we can't even touch the tree or we're going to die. So, and the serpent said unto the woman, "Ye shall not surely die. Meaning, basically what he was telling her is, you know, you're not going to fall over dead if you eat of the tree. And if we actually knew the full conversation, that's probably what he was telling her. He's probably telling her, well, you ain't going to die. I mean, if, if you, he's saying if you die of that tree that you're actually going to, you're going to fall on the ground dead. No, he didn't say you're going to die. You know, slipping them words in there and change, kind of, kind of making her think about the whole situation. And that's the whole problem is when we're tempted, we begin to think about the whole situation and not consider what God said. You know, God said in his word not to do something. When we get to thinking about something and dwelling on it too long, and the next thing you know, we start saying, well, you know, does it really say that? Or does it really say that I'm not allowed to do this or do that? But instead, we need to pay attention that if God said not to do it, he said not to do it. So if he said not to do it, we shouldn't be doing it. It's like what Eve should have said here was, no, God said we don't eat of it. But instead, she allowed herself to listen to the conversation that he had to say. It says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know in that day that ye eat of, in the day ye eat thereof. Okay, in other words, in the day that you eat of that fruit, the very day that you do so, ye shall be as gods. Right? He said, um, Then your eyes shall be opened. Okay, he said, The day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. God surely knows this, that your eyes will be opened. And ye shall be as gods. Knowing good and evil. Now basically what he was saying here was true. And the fact that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. But you're not going to be like a God. Or as a God or made into a God. But instead you're going to be as God knowing. Alright. The difference between good and evil. So what he was telling, what he was doing here. Was giving them a desire to want something from the fruit. So they got to thinking, okay, well, if I eat of this fruit, I'm going to receive a knowledge here to where I'm going to know something that, that God knows. I'm going, to, I'm going to know something that, that I wouldn't know unless I eat of the fruit. So if I, if I don't eat of this fruit, then I'm not going to know something that God knows. But if I take a, and eat of this fruit, then I'm going to gain some knowledge that God doesn't want me to know. So that's the whole reason that he doesn't want me to eat of this fruit, because now if I eat it, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to know things like God knows. It's basically more or less what, what the serpent, by telling her that, put these thoughts into her head. Now she's thinking these things, okay? Thinking that, well, if I do this, then I'm going to be like God. I'm going to know something that God knows. How awesome would that be to know something? And that's, that's one of the greatest temptations that we have, that if we partake of something, then all of a sudden we're going to gain something from the whole event. 
But if actually when we do something that we're not supposed to do, we're not gaining anything good from it. We're gaining something bad from it because now we're, we're becoming sinful by nature by doing things that God's not happy with. See, God, here's the whole point. It's not a point that it was a fruit that actually gave them the knowledge of something. What it was is God commanded them not to do it. The only commandment that was ever given to them in the garden was not to eat of the fruit. Just something simple as that. All I say is, I mean, you can do anything you want in the garden, but one thing I say that I command you not to do is do not eat of the fruit. So here's what happened when they ate of the fruit. The day they took a bite of that fruit and ate it and consumed it, now what happened here was they they committed a sin. They'd done something that God said not to do. So in doing so, now all of a sudden, the conviction of that feeling bad for what they did and that sinful nature came upon them and God's Spirit pulled back away from them. So the death that took place on the day they ate of the fruit was the spiritual death that took place because now that they sinned, that sin cut them off from God and God pulled away from them and now they're now they're in the flesh and now they look down and they see that they're naked. They see that now they see the nature of the flesh which wasn't there before because before they were they were they were not you know they weren't bad they were good so there was a nature there about them that went away now all of a sudden now here they are thinking like God knowing the difference between good and evil knowing what doing wrong is knowing what evil is knowing what sin is now that's the knowledge they gain because now they know what it feels like to to do something wrong so now that they ate of the fruit, they, they broke a commandment of God and they done something that God's not happy with and now they know what they did was wrong. That's what took place when that happened. So it wasn't a fruit that gave them... It wasn't a particular fruit or one special fruit that caused them to sin. And I'm going to show you that here in a few minutes. It was, it was just a tree that God told them not to eat of. It could have been... You know, any other, the same as some of the other trees in the garden, but just one particular tree that was marked, this tree, I don't want you to eat of. This tree, this, I want you to obey me in this one thing. Don't eat of this tree. So it wasn't, it wasn't the, it wasn't a, spe, a special kind of fruit. It wasn't an apple. It wasn't a tomato. It wasn't any particular fruit in, in, uh, one particular fruit. And, you know, it was, just a tree that they wasn't supposed to eat of. It says, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. In verse 6 it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Now see, there's something here. She was initially told to stay away from it. So being as she was initially told to stay away from it, now all of a sudden after the serpent had spoke to her about this tree, and put this little, this little thought into her mind, by saying, you know, you can eat of that tree, you'd be like God. So now she's all of a sudden looking at this tree in a whole different perspective. Because, hey, is God holding something back from me here by telling me I can't eat of this tree? You know, is this is this what the case is? God doesn't want me to eat of that tree because I'll be like Him and know things that He knows. It says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that, and that it was pleasant to the eyes... Meaning to look upon it, it was pleasant to look at. Just like all the rest of the trees were pleasant to look upon. But now all of a sudden this one tree became pleasant to the eyes. And this one tree began to, she began to desire 
began to look at it and desire the food thereof. And a tree to be desired, right here, catch this, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Meaning, if I eat of that tree, I'm going to gain wisdom. But you see, you don't gain wisdom from sin in a good way. If you sin and then all of a sudden you realize that what you've done was wrong and you pay the repercussions for it, then you know not to do it again. You gain wisdom in a bad way, whereas if you listen to God and let God lead you, let God direct you, let God teach you, and let get a, let God to give you an understanding of His Word, then you gain wisdom in a good way. But see, she looked at this tree as being one, being desired to make one wise. So now she began to look at this tree in a whole different perspective. Instead of looking at it as saying, well, God said, don't eat thereof. i got to obey God. Instead, she looked at it as to be desired of, to make one wise. And she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. You see, she took the fruit and gave it to her husband as well. And they both ate of the tree when God said not to eat of the tree. Now I'm going to show you something here in verse 22. Remember what I said a little while ago about it just being a tree in the garden. Well, first we're going to go to Genesis 3 and 11. God came down to the earth and walked into the garden. And it says, And He said, whenever He seen Adam and Eve, they were hiding and they had fig leaves covering themselves because they realized that they were naked. And now they were there was something different about them. And God knew that there was something different about them. Because now all of a sudden they gained some knowledge of something that they shouldn't have never gained knowledge of. Because they had disobeyed Him. So now when He came down in the garden, He seen them hiding. And He was looking for them and said, where are you at? He knew where they were at. But He wanted them to, to come out to where He was. To where He could see them and speak with them. So when He came down and they came out and they said... That we hid from you because we were naked. And we covered ourselves with fig leaves. And we were afraid that when you came into the garden, we were afraid to get around you. We wanted to be by ourselves. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? You see, he said, Have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to eat? He didn't say, Have you eaten of the tree that bears the knowledge of good and evil? The fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Did you break my commandment that I told you not to do? And then they began to say, make excuses for things. And Adam said, the woman gave me of the fruit that you told me not to eat. And then she said, the, the serpent tempted me. And they all pointed the blame over onto the serpent. But God disciplined, disciplined them all. For disobeying, disobeying him, for being disobedient, for doing something that he told them not to do, because they ate of that one tree. But you see, they were seeking after a knowledge that was that they felt was being kept from them, that God was keeping something from them. God wasn't keeping nothing from them. God was keeping them from sinning and keeping them from doing something that was wrong. But he was giving them the choice because he wanted to see if they were going to do what was right. Just like we have a choice today of whether to live for God or whether to live just do our own ways and live for the world and end up in a devil's hell. You see, we have a choice to make today. Do we want to live for God or do we want to live for ourselves? Just like they had in the garden, they had a choice whether to eat of that fruit or to stay away from that fruit, whether to obey God or whether to disobey God. Just like we have that choice today, whether to obey God or whether to disobey God. So from the trees, from the trees, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil where all sin began, 
But you see, there was also another tree that was in that garden. Another tree that one day we shall have access to again. That God had to hide from man so man wouldn't live forever in his sin. Why did why did God do this? Which right here I'm going to read in verse 22 before I say it. It says, And the Lord God said, Behold, man has become as one of us, to know good and evil. In other words, to know what is right and wrong. So now they become just like us. They know that. To know what good and evil is. To know what good is, to know what to be, what to obey is, and to know what to disobey is. He says, And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So you see, if he partakes of this tree of life and eats of the fruit, then he's going to live forever in his sin with no redemption. So God said, We're going to hide this tree. We're going to put it away. We're going to lock it away. We're going to take cast man out of the garden and guard it with cherubs holding swords from each direction to keep man from getting direct getting back into the garden to gain access to the tree of life. The reason he did that is so that man wouldn't be all of a sudden live forever in his sin with no possible way of being redeemed because he knew that he had a redemption process to take place 4,000 years later when he hung on the cross and died for our sins to redeem us from sin, to redeem us back to him. You see, he had a salvation process already laid out because he knew from the beginning what man was going to do. He knew that man was going to fall. And because of that, he had that redemption process already laid out and already planned and had it set in motion to take place 4,000 years from that day. So he cast them out of the garden. He put them out of the garden and he put the cherubs there to guard the, the way of the tree, to the tree of life so that man couldn't get back in there so he couldn't partake of that fruit and live forever in his sin. In John 14 and 6, when Jesus was walking the earth, John 14 and 6, when he was here with man, before he went to the cross, when he was sitting there, before he had to, before he had the, the last supper with his disciples, and before he broke bread with them and drank the wine with them, he didn't need, he didn't partake of the wine, he didn't partake of the bread, but he told them during the communion, he said, this this bread, as he broke the bread and gave them a piece, each one a piece of bread, he said, this bread represents my flesh, and he says, he told them to eat it. And then he took the cup of wine. He said, this wine represents my blood. He says, you partake in me whenever you partake of the bread and do this in remembrance of me each day from this day forth. Do this in remembrance of my death, of me dying for you so I could save you. Shed in my blood, every drop of my blood to save you, to cover your sins from this day forth. But he said, before he went to that, before he took the, the before he had the last supper with him, and before he walked down Golgotha, walked up the Golgotha's hill, after being whipped at the whipping post of the Romans, before he was crucified on the cross, John 14 and 6 it says, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Meaning, he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. In order for us to get back to the tree of life, to where we can partake of that tree, we have to we have to be saved. We have to follow Jesus. We have to be have our lives, our sins covered with His blood, and we have to be redeemed by Him, so we can make it back into into the presence of the tree of life. See, so we have to overcome sin. We have to overcome the flesh. We have to overcome the things that was taken upon man in the garden when he ate of the fruit. Whenever he whenever he gave way to the flesh and allowed the flesh to take control and allowed the flesh to separate us from God. Whenever all that began, and then every day from that day forth, man was born into sin. Our flesh born into this fleshly nature, the sinful nature of man. And having to be redeemed back to him by his blood. 
We have to accept His. We have to accept the salvation. We have to say, Jesus, come into my life and forgive me and change me, make me into a new creature, and we surrender it to Him and allow Him to lead, God and direct our footsteps, and get baptized in His name, and then filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit. To help us live right, to show us what is right, show us what way to live, and allow ourselves to be led by His grace. That's what grace is. Grace enables us to live right. We have to boldly approach the throne of grace so we can obtain mercy in time of need, and find help in time of need, and get grace from God to help us and lead and guide and direct us. So, allowing Him to lead, guide, and direct us so that one day we can be back with Him whenever we leave this life and we put the flesh under subjection and allow God to lead us into the way of salvation and live for Him and overcome. So we have to overcome, overcome sin, overcome death, overcome all this all this of this life and make it into heaven. Then we will have access to the tree of life. And when you look over in the book of Revelations, chapter 2, Revelations chapter 2, verse 7, it says, He that hath an ear, in other words, if you have an ear, listen. If you have an ear and you're able to hear. You see, it's not just a fleshly ear. We don't just hear just with the fleshly ear what the preacher's saying. You're sitting there, listen to me tonight. Listen to what I'm saying. You're hearing me with your fleshly ear. But there's also another ear that has to hear what I'm saying. It's the spiritual ear. It's the man on the inside. That spirit man is what's fed by the Word. That spirit man that lives inside of you whenever you get saved, whenever God comes and He dwells inside of you, He's seeking after the words. He's seeking after the words of this book. Because that spirit man inside of you needs to hear what I'm saying as well. It says, He that hath an ear, let him hear. Okay? Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You see, it's not just what I'm saying with my mouth, but it's also what God is saying through the anointing that's going forth and preaching and teaching the Word of God. That anointing that's going forth preaching and teaching the Word of God is feeding that spirit man and revealing the secret things of God to us. See, we would never know about anything, any of this, any of the salvation or anything of God and without Him revealing things to us. To some people, this is just a book written on page, just like, oh, it's just a novel that's, that a bunch of guys got together and wrote. That's what a lot of people look at it as because they don't have a revelation of what the Word is saying. But us today can open it up and can learn and we can feed the Spirit Man inside of us through the Word, what the Word is saying. And as you're sitting listening to me, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, if you're filled with the Spirit of God, then you're going to be gaining something in me from, from what I'm saying through the anointing that's going forth, teaching and preaching to us, so that we'll know what we need to do is right. It says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, meaning if you overcome this life and you overcome sin and you make it into heaven and you you, you live your, to your best ability to the perfection of God and you step over into glory it says to him that overcometh I will give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God you see he didn't do away with the tree of life he kept man from getting to the tree of life so he wouldn't live forever in his sins if us today had the ability to reach the tree of life in the flesh that we're in right now, in the situation that we're in, living in this and confined by the flesh, which the flesh is sin, and sin is death. Okay, the flesh, the way of the flesh is death. The way of the flesh is a sinful nature that's going to die. So if we had the ability to get to the tree of life today, living in this flesh, then we would be forever cursed with sin because we would be forever in this flesh. Because this flesh would all of a sudden have the ability to live forever. So then we would be dead in our sins. That's what would have happened if Adam and Eve would have partaken of the tree of life before they died. 
So in other words, if God would have allowed them to get to the tree of life, and then they would have ate of that tree of life, and they would have lived forever in a sinful nature. So they would have never been able to be redeemed back to God. But because God kept the tree of life away from man, while man is in the flesh and in the sinful nature, we have the ability one day when we're changed in the twinkling of an eye into a, a, that new body that God has in store for us, and we step over into glory into that into eternity, and we're right with Him, and we allow we we have His blood covering our sins, to where He when He looks at us He sees the blood, and we're trying to live as perfect as we can under perfection for God, and living with, and found without sin, without spot or blemish, like I was saying a few nights ago. When we step over into glory, we're going to be allowed to eat of the tree of life so we can live forever with God and forever live with Him and be without sin and be without pain, without sorrow, without sickness, without any of that anymore. No more death, no more sorrow, no more sin, no more pain. We'll be forever with God and be forever happy and be forever living a wonderful, awesome life for all eternity with no end. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the garden, in the midst of the paradise of God. Don't you want to be able to eat of that tree tonight? Don't you want to be able to eat of that tree whenever you step over into glory and be able to, to walk up to that tree that's in the middle of the paradise of God and to partake of that fruit that God has in store for us, waiting for us one day when we step over into glory and we're forever with Him. Won't that one day be awesome? Won't it be awesome one day to be able to be there? Won't it be awesome one day to be able to see Jesus, to see the one that died for each and every one of us? Because one day we're going to see Him. One day we're going to see Him face to face. You know, these two trees that was in the garden, if that one tree would have just been left alone, if Adam and Eve would have said, no, I'm not partaking of that fruit, and cast the serpent out of the garden, and put the serpent in his place, and kick that devil out of their out of their paradise, they could have partaken of the fruit of the of the tree of life and we had all been able to partake of the fruit of the tree of life but because of that now we're having to live the lives that we're living now but one day we're going to step over into glory one day we're going to exit this life and as long as we keep his blood covering our sins and covering our hearts and as long as we try to live as best we can to our ability for him to where he's pleased with us whenever he looks down at us and he's pleased with us one day we're going to step over into glory and we're going to see that tree sitting in the middle of the paradise of god when we get over and see the streets of gold and see the gates of or pearl and the, the beautiful walls of jasper and God's wonderful throne room and His wonderful throne and everything, all in glorious sights that John spoke of and only ha not even half of it had been told what John saw. I, be, I believe not even not even an eighth of it was told, the dip, all the glories of God. But all the glories of God that you can see throughout the whole entire Bible, we're going to be able to see them firsthand one day. No longer just seeing them in a spiritual perspective from what we know of the Word of God. But now one day we're going to be able to see Him with our eyes. We're going to be able to look and see all the glorious sights and stand before the One that's, that died for us, the One that, that provided salvation for us, the One that loves us so much that He came to this earth and He's died a horrible death at a Roman cross just for our sins so that He could redeem us back to Him. Think about how glorious and how awesome that is. He'd done that for each and every one of us. That much, that's how much God loves us, that He was willing to suffer, willing to come to this earth and take upon Himself flesh so He would know and have an understanding of what we're going through, have an understanding of the different things that we experience in this life, to, to have a better understanding of what, 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 he, you know, what we experience here, to where He could help us in a way to where we would be able to, to, be able to understand things more. 
But He came and done all that just for us. Just for each and every one of us. That one day we could be with Him. That's how much He loves us. And yet man turns that away. Man turns away from salvation and says, I don't want nothing to do with God. I want, I want to do my own thing. But He done that for each and every one of us. Even the ones that turns away. He done that for them because He loves us that much. But one day we're going to stand before Him. One day we're going to be able to meet Him face to face. And see Jesus for who He is. Think about that, how awesome He is. And when He says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the, your rest and allow you access to the tree of life. To where you can walk up to the tree of life and partake of that fruit. That it heal all the nations. One day when that tree of life is brought back to a new, he a new heaven and a new earth. And that tree that's able to heal the nations. So think about how awesome that is. Perspective from the trees. The tree of life and the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. That was placed in the garden. So. I hope this helped you tonight. In the midst of the garden. I hope it helped you tonight. And uh, if it did. If you enjoyed this night and you think it could help somebody. I ask you to share it and help me get the word out. And so to help each and every person out there. Like I said before, uh, you're friends with some people that I'm not. That um, if you don't share it, then they they won't. If they're not my friends on Facebook, then they won't they won't be able to see it. So I ask you to share it tonight to help me get the word out. And um, I'm also gonna put it up on my podcast. If you haven't subscribed to my podcast, um, you can also subscribe to that. You don't have you won't it won't be in a video form. You can listen to it when you're driving down the road or whatever. But um. Anyways, I hope, I hope this helped you tonight in your walk with God and to give you a, a desire to get even closer to Him and to help you keep in, keep in your vision and in your sight that wonderful tree of life that's waiting for us over in glory, that prize for the, the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, love you guys and see you next time. God bless you.